since we're all kind of in this together, we're all dealing with this quarantine thing, I want to share with you some tweets that I found concerning being quarantined. Maybe you can relate to some of these. So here you go. This is a couple of tweets for people who are experiencing uh, quarant- being quarantined with a pet in the house, which I am, by the way. I actually have uh, my dog and my son's dog in the house right now. But here's a couple of tweets. Every time my dog gets up from the couch and sits away from me in a different room, I now take it very personally. Or here, this is from somebody with a cat. Work at home log, day three. I share an office with a cat. He mostly sits at his desk and looks out the window. Pretty sure I caught him sleeping. Not sure what the lady in the next office does, but she's loud. Rumor is she's four. <laughs> and then the kind of leads into um, people who are being quarantined with um, small children. Check this out. I'm going to I'm going to um, x out something. Might x out the whole thing. I don't know. Uh, if you got small kids in the house, somebody wrote this. I just screamed at my four year old to pitch in and do more to help through this crisis, like the World War II generation. How's everyone else holding up? Or one dad tweeted this. Well, I guess it's time to learn my kids' names. Here's one that I liked. Don't underestimate a child's ability to grasp what's happening right now. I've discussed the pandemic and social distancing with my four-year-old, and she's decided to speak three inches from my face now instead of the usual one inch. Which I appreciate, because I've got a two-year-old grandson And he FaceTimes like this. Hey, Timbo. Which is actually very cute on a two-year-old. Probably a little creepy for me. but um. Here's another tweet from a mom. Hard to imagine how my kids were ever able to survive regular school days without 23 snacks. And here's one from a dad. I'm homeschooling my kids. It's tough especially having to steal their lunch money and throw their school bag over the hedge, but we're getting there. And then here's one for all you married couples who are working together at home. This is from a married couple. Pro tip for married couples suddenly working from home together. Get yourself an imaginary coworker to blame things on. In our apartment, Cheryl keeps leaving her dirty water cups all over the place, and we really don't know what we're going to do about Cheryl. And then here's just a couple more for single people who are being quarantined. We're just killing time here, folks. We're waiting for everybody to show up at 7 o'clock. But here's some tweets from single people who are being quarantined. Me ordering delivery food in February. Lazy, needlessly expensive, pathetic. Me ordering delivery food now. Heroic. Single-handedly keeping small businesses afloat. Nobel Prize in economics. And then maybe you can relate to this one. This quarantine has made me realize I truly have no hobbies except going out to eat and spending money. (laughs) Here's another one. My therapist, your OCD is irrational. The government, you must wash your hands 24 times a day or your grandfather will die. And then finally, you know who's really going to suffer from this social distancing? Dudes on dating apps. 
Welcome back to courtship, Brad. Welcome back to talking to a girl for weeks before you see her. We're pen pals now. Go read Jane Austen and write me a poem. Okay. <laughs> hope you're all here by now. And I hope you're all surviving the quarantine. And please, I'm not making light of this in any way. Um, it's serious, and we're all taking it seriously. But it is a little bit different being stuck in your house for uh, days on end. Uh, hope you're doing well. I hope things are, uh, I hope you're staying uh, healthy, protecting yourself. We're spending some Wednesday nights here um, going through some thoughts on that's what he said. Just some teachings from Jesus. And I want to talk tonight about a story that Jesus tells. It's another parable, and these aren't going to all be parables, but the truth is, I really enjoy the parables of Jesus. I think we all enjoy hearing the story, and there's so many levels of Jesus's parables. So tonight, if you saw the vital concern, you know we're going to be in Matthew chapter 25. You can go ahead and be opening up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25, and Jesus is going to tell a story about being prepared at least, that's what I was always told the story was about. I was always told the story was about being prepared. You know, it got me to thinking about this situation that we're dealing with right now. How prepared were you a month ago, two weeks ago? How prepared are you now for what's going on? I don't know that Martha and I really thought about being prepared for, for this situation because we had no idea this situation would ever show up. And then I find out that most people's idea of being prepared for a pandemic is stocking up on toilet paper. So I don't know how prepared you feel like you are, but I want to talk tonight about a story Jesus uh, tells. And again, I've always heard that it's a story about being prepared. What do you do? Kind of like the fire marshal who gave a safety and health talk to an old folks home one day and he said what steps would you take in the event of a fire and a lady in the back of the class yelled really big steps and i hope you're taking really big steps uh in the event of this pandemic i hope you are prepared but let's take a look about what jesus says concerning being prepared to get them in matthew chapter 25 it's the very beginning of the chapter what i'm going to do i'm just going to read through it and then I'm going to circle back and ask some questions and make an observation or two, but really just one, really just have one point that I want to share with you. And, and maybe it's something that you haven't thought about, or at least haven't thought about in a while. Here's the story that Jesus tells. At that time, the, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there might not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on the way to buy oil, 
the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with them to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the others came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth. I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. As I said, we have heard that parable a, a lot of times. I've preached sermons on that parable. You've listened to classes. You've probably taught classes uh, about that parable. All my life, I have heard that parable, and it was always a sobering one to me. It, it was always a little bit scary to me. In fact, I thought it was really harsh. And in some ways, I guess it is, but I don't think that about that parable anymore. Um, let me ask a couple questions. And let me get to my one point. And I'm going to start with some really easy questions to think about so that we're all sort of on the same page here. What do all 10 of these girls have in common? In other words, what, what makes them all basically the same? Now think about that. Right off the bat, we find out they're all 10 virgins. Okay. Um, in the cultural context of that, 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 that does have some significance, but I'm just going to leave it right there for tonight. But there's some other things they all have in common. They're obviously all invited to this wedding. They obviously all accepted the invitation to attend the wedding. They all are expecting something good to happen. They're expecting a celebration. They're expecting to, to be able to uh, enjoy themselves during this wedding feast. And it appears that all 10 of these girls also fell asleep. Think about this. Do you think you could look at those 10 girls and know which five are wise and which five are foolish? And I know Jesus said that the, the wise girls brought along extra oil, but I get the sense that it wasn't obvious. I get the sense that, that you really couldn't look at those girls and say, you know, the, here's the wise, here's the foolish, here's the right, here's the wrong. Now, I guess what I'm trying to say is here's 10 girls who had an awful lot in common. Here's 10 girls who looked the same. They, they were there for basically the same reasons. You know, they had a lot in common. So how are these girls different? Well, obviously, five of these girls brought along extra oil and five of them didn't, which means that five of them were able to enter when the bridegroom shows up and five of them weren't able to enter. And that also means that Jesus calls five of these girls wise and he calls five of these girls foolish. Now, there's a couple really obvious takeaways, and I, I don't want to I don't want to stop and spend a lot of time on them, but I at least want to mention them because I know a lot of you are thinking, well, here's what this parable really says. And it is. There, there's lots of levels of what this parable is saying. And it it's a great thing about the teachings of Jesus. Every time you read the teachings of Jesus, something else speaks to your heart. But here's a couple of the um, I guess the classic points of the parable of the, the 10 virgins. One is each one of us is gonna stand on our own, okay? We're not gonna be able to, to stand beside our parents or our kids or our spouse. No, we're each gonna stand on our own. Um, lost opportunities are lost forever. Now the door goes shut. Those five foolish virgins could not get in to the banquet. And then finally, the bridegroom's gonna come without warning. That's certainly a takeaway from this parable. The bridegroom's going to show up maybe when you least expect him to. But I think this 
parable is more than just a warning to be ready. I think there's something else going on here. I think there's something maybe more encouraging, not just um, serious going on here. Another easy question. Why did these girls show up here? You know, uh, maybe the question is, why would anybody show up at a wedding? Why did these 10 girls show up? Again, they're all invited. They all wanted to be there. Maybe they were there because of a sense of obligation. Maybe they were there because they were bored, didn't have anything else to do. Maybe they were there because their other nine friends were there. Maybe they were there because they were just curious. Here's my point. And I'm going I'm to make it and then I'm going I'm to come back to it again. Maybe this isn't just a story about, are you prepared? Maybe this isn't just a parable about how well are you prepared? How much have you prepared? Maybe, and maybe I'm off base here, but maybe this is also a story asking the question, how much do you love? How much do you love the bridegroom? Because there's this really big difference between, oh no, I'm afraid I won't get in, as opposed to, oh no, I'm afraid I won't be with the bridegroom. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? And maybe I'm not explaining it very well, and maybe I'm kind of asking you to read my mind, but what I'm trying to say is there's a difference between you know, let's take the spiritual application. There's a difference between, wow, I really want to get to heaven because it's going to be so great. And I really don't want to go to hell because it's going to be so terrible. Which, by the way, is completely true. I want to get to heaven because it's going to be so great. I really don't want to go to hell because it's going to be so terrible. Those are strong motivators. Absolutely. I'm just saying, I think there's a difference between that motivation and the motivation of, I really want to be with Jesus. I really want to be with the bridegroom. You know, if heaven were everything that we're told that it is, if heaven were everything that you've ever dreamed it to be, if it was a place where there were no tears in heaven, no sorrows given, I know all the old songs. If it's a place, no heartaches, no sickness, no death. If it was just this wonderful place that, that the Bible claims it is, if it were all those things and Jesus wasn't there, would it be enough? And I think there was a time in my life when I might have thought, hmm, maybe. Sounds pretty good. No sickness, no death, no, no sin. Everybody's happy, everybody loves. But as if I've gotten older and as I've I think falling deeper in love with Jesus. I want to be with the bridegroom. I want to be with Jesus. Let me share with you one of my favorite passages. If you know me very well, you know this is one of my favorite passages. Colossians chapter 3. The first couple verses in Colossians chapter 3. It's one of my favorite books. It's one of my favorite passages from my favorite book. Here's what Paul says. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. 
Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And then he says in verse 5, when Christ, and I love this, when Christ, who is your life, appears, you too will appear with him in glory. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you too will appear with him in glory. I don't think this is just a parable in Matthew 25 about getting the oil right. For a lot of years, I was told this is really a parable about getting the oil right, about being prepared. And I think sometimes we get hung up on we got to get it right. We got to do it right. We got to check the boxes. We got to cross the T's. We got to dot the I's. We got to get it right. And again, don't start making comments. Don't start sending me emails. I want to do it right. Absolutely. When God gives us instructions, when God gives us commands, it's for our own good. He's God. We're not. I get it. All I'm saying is, I think sometimes we get so hung up on getting it right. We get so hung up on the oil that we miss the bridegroom. And we miss the opportunity to spend time with Jesus. And I'm not just talking about heaven, which is going to be awesome. I'm talking about right now. Stuck in my home. You know, stuck with my wife. I love my wife, by the way. Maybe this parable isn't just about getting the oil right. Maybe this is a parable about a bunch of girls, five girls, who decided we're going to do whatever it takes to be with the bridegroom. Who decided we're going to make sure that we have enough oil. I got a feeling maybe those five girls didn't bring just extra oil. Maybe they brought some food. Maybe they brought a change of clothes. Maybe they brought whatever it was going to take to ensure that they were going to be able to spend time with the bridegroom. That they were going to be part of his celebration. You know, during this quarantine situation, during this uh, pandemic, uh, we're social distancing, and we are. Um, and I know that you are too. Martha and I have been very, very conscientious about that. The office is still open, but myself and Aloha and Robbie, we've been very conscientious about um, just staying apart from each other and keeping our distance and um, doing what we need to do and answering calls and, and trying to do things uh but we're taking it seriously. But I've got to tell you, I'm not going to social distance myself from my wife. We still curl up on the couch at night and watch a movie. And I still curl up beside her, you know, every night when we go to bed. I love my wife. And I want to be with her more than I don't want to get this, uh, this virus. And I think that's what these girls decided, the wise girls. We're going to do whatever it takes to be with what bridegroom. And I want to remind myself, I want to do whatever it takes to be with Jesus. Not just in heaven someday, but when Christ, who is my life? I want Christ to be my life now. And then when he appears, I'll appear with him in glory. Let me close by sharing a passage that Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. Peter says this, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for your receiving the goal of your faith, 
salvation of your souls. Even though you have not seen him, you love him. I hope that you are falling deeper and deeper in love with Jesus. Because when Christ, who is your life, appears, you too will appear with him in glory. Let me end with a prayer, and then if you would, just stick around for a minute or two. I want to share a couple announcements and updates with you, our our Bay Area family. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful that you have invited us to the banquet, that you have reserved for us a seat at the table, and that you have done everything to ensure that we will accept uh, that invitation and be there. And we're thankful for what Jesus has done. For the price that he's paid. And Father, I pray that as we go through this uh, just historic season and, and this crisis the world over, I pray that we would turn to you and we would draw closer and closer to Jesus. Help us fall deeper and deeper in love with him, Father. Thank you for the gift that you've offered and thank you for the salvation that is available in Jesus. It's his name that I pray. Amen.